discernment, a lack thereof in the, uh, the church among believers. We said that one of the reasons for that is the lack of essential convictions. And uh, the fact is, if we're going to have discernment, it depends upon holding conviction that the scriptures are the absolute truth. We talked about these two essential convictions that are foundational for you and I to be able to have the discernment, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, to be able to discern between good and evil. When it comes to issues, cultural things, so forth, and even things in our own lives, we have to have these two convictions. All my experiences, whether physical or spiritual, and all my beliefs must stand the test of God's word and truth, one and the same. Number two, God's word is the best commentator, interpreter, and judge of all that is going on in the world today. And aren't you thankful you have that in your hands? Amen. It's there to, uh, to look to and to consider. Uh, then we talked about in order to do so, we need to be a Berean believer. As Paul talked about in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11, it speaks of them receiving the word. They received it with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. They researched it and looked at it and making sure. Uh, the fact is we talked about last time, last week, the world's culture, uh, the devil at large wants to make us to believe that the, uh, the Bible's archaic. It belongs on a shelf. If uh, It's not in touch with what the world is today. It's dangerous. In fact, they want to tell us and want us to believe that the Bible to live thereby is not good for society at large or as a whole. And we stressed the need for you and I not to give in to such lies. Not to believe the world when it says, eh, the Bible, you don't need to live by that. You don't need to listen, consult that, and so forth. Uh, we emphasized this point last time. It's so crucial that you and I respond to everything that comes across uh, our lives that we are confronted with. We ought to respond with this simple reply. I need to ask my Heavenly Father about that. I need to go to His Word. And then as we grow in that, as we see in this passage, this growth, this maturation, this maturity that ought to take place in every Christian's life, then we get to the point where we can respond to the world, well, I already know what my Heavenly Father thinks about that, and here's what He would say. Here's what He says from His Word. Here's, here's what He has to, to say. That is discernment in action. That is the growth of discernment on your part and mine. We also said that this dilemma of discernment has uh, created these dangerous and desperate days in the church, not just through the lack of essential convictions, but also, as we've alluded to, the lack of maturity. Here in Hebrews chapter number 5, he, he spoke of these things in, in verses 12 and 13. He, he, he refers to those who need milk. And useth milk. And we understood that to mean babies, right? And that picture, he's referring to someone who is not mature and like babies. And we talked about babies and uh, had fun with the reality that babies put anything and everything in their mouths. Amen. And so the fact is this, spiritually, and Paul, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, where he says, some of you are tossed to and fro. You're as children, and uh, you're, you're, in the, you're taught, you put everything in your mouth. And so it is spiritually that like no other generation, we've said this. Because many believers lack discernment. Like no other generation, we are bombarded with and exposed to more religious ideas, more teaching, more erroneous theology than any people in history. The world around us, the culture, YouTube, you name it, social media is repeatedly saying, eat this, eat this, try this, do this. And so many of us as Christians, we're just putting it in our mouths spiritually. Without having discernment that is derived from maturity, from understanding that I'm looking to God's word. We con uh, considered it in light of the illustration we looked, and this is where we finished last week. And so we'll pick up right here. That was just a quick review. We picked up with this illustration. 
Many times a child, when uh, maybe confronted with this, you remember it from now a month or so ago, we, we talk about a child who's confronted with a power receptacle, an outlet on the wall, or maybe a hot stove, and, and uh, you're doing something, your, your mind is distracted, and all of a sudden the, the child just touches the outside of that, that power outlet, that receptacle, and, or they, they touch the top of the stove real quick, and you're like, no, don't do that, and they rip their hand apart, and like, or apart, no, they don't rip it apart, that would be a little <laughs> dangerous, don't do that. They rip their hand away, right? And uh, as they do so, you're like, don't, don't do that. You could get electrocuted or you can get burned if you touch the stove. And, and a child, as they would do, they'll look at it. It didn't hurt. It, it didn't burn. I didn't get electrocuted. And in their simplicity, in fact, what we would say is, no, no, no. You, you just haven't had enough experience because I'll tell you, if you do it enough, <laughs> it's going to happen. Amen. You keep your hand there long enough, you touch a hot stove enough times, guess what? You're going to come away with a burnt hand. See, the problem is this, and we get it, we understand it, and, and we give them somewhat of a pass and say, listen, just learn by what I tell you, not by experience in this sense. But the fact is this, there's a lack of maturity on their part because they do not have experience. They have lack of exposure. That may have been the first time they touched it. The only time, the one time that they touched that. Now, we've already talked about existentialism, which talks about how experience is great. On that child's perception, their one-time experience now, I can touch every power outlet and never get shocked or electrocuted. How well is that going to work for you? I can touch every hot stove and I'm not going to get burned. How well is that going to work for you? But it's based on one experience. So you and I look at it and well, they, they need to gain experience. They need to gain knowledge. That's why I'm trying to encourage them and challenge them and warn them. Now, now think about that. That's literally what Paul is saying in this passage. He describes it. Look again, verse 13, Hebrews chapter 5, if you will, with me. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. There's that description again. Now we want to key in on the first part of verse 13. He uses the word unskillful. Literally in the Greek, it means there is no experience. And here he applies this as they have no experience in the word of righteousness. No experience in the word of righteousness. So therefore, verse number 14, they cannot discern between good and evil. They cannot discern before good or bad, painful, non-painful. There is no discernment in them because they lack of experience. And so that is one of the, the reasons or areas in which we lack maturity, some believers do, because there is a lack of skillfulness, experience with the Word of God. What do we know the Word of God to be? It's God's heart. It's His mind explained and on display and on written page for you and I to glean from and understand. God's Word as the truth. There's little experience. They're not skilled in knowing it and gleaning from it and making it a part of their thinking and determining factor. Now, listen to me. I could probably, probably go into a store and I could, maybe a furniture store or whatever the case may be, I, I could go into a restaurant and I could tell you pretty well what Erica would like. I, I could tell you, oh no, she'd never want that hanging in her living room. She'd never want that in her house. No, no, no. Oh, she'd like that. She wouldn't like that. I could go into a place a restaurant and I can tell you what she'd probably like to eat. Now, would I be perfect? Absolutely not. I'm still working on that. Another 20 years, maybe I'll have it down. 
somewhat. Who knows? Probably not. Nonetheless, I can do that. She can do it so much better than me. And I don't know what it is. Is it the lady thing or what? But they, uh, she could do it so much better than I. She can walk into a store or a restaurant. Oh, Stephen's not going to like that. Stephen's not going to oh, like that. like that. She could do that. She knows. You say, how is that possible? How in the world? Because you may do that. And you, <laughs> you, you may get it completely wrong. Why? Because she has experience. We have experience with one another and learning the mind and heart. Now, Frank, can I tell you, it's a simple illustration, and yet it does so very well to illustrate for you and I how sometimes we lack discernment. Why do we lack discernment? Because we lack experience. You know, fact is this, we haven't spent much time in the presence of God, expressed in the Word of God, thereby learning the heart and mind of God. See, we've been together almost 20 years now. Fact is, or plus that actually, we've gotten to know each other and yet there's much to learn, certainly, as any married couple would say. But the reality is this, we've come to know to some degree, to some level, through experience. I know, I know what she likes, I know what she dislikes, she, she knows what I like, she knows what I dislike, she knows what I would think about that. Uh, so many times uh, we hear that, right? A husband and a wife will say, oh, I know what she'd think about that, I know what he'd say about that, and, and we do, and I see you older folks a lot, and you'll say that, oh, he wouldn't like that, oh, she wouldn't like, you know, we, end, we come to learn that, why? Through experience, through exposure, through the reality that you and I have learned the heart and mind of that. But the fact is, too many Christians, now don't miss it today, too many Christians have left off on relationship building. We've left off in building that relationship. We haven't spent much time in his presence that we ought to. Now listen to me. You will never hear this pastor say, why are you here at church? No, not at all. I'm glad you came today. I'm thankful you're here at Fostoria Baptist Church in this service. I'm grateful for that. But my friend, it takes more than one time a week to build a relationship with God. Okay, so in this is how we do it. I trust Fostoria Baptist Church. We're about to celebrate our 53rd anniversary. I trust for another 53 years, Fostoria Baptist Church will be known as a church that preaches the word of God. Because therein is found the presence of God. And therein is found the word, the heart, the mind of God. And so the fact is this. Listen, do we need it on Sunday? Yes, but we need it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then again, next Sunday, we need to get in God's Word. We need to have experience and exposure to it. We need to understand, become skillful in the Word of God because, boy, we are bombarded on every front, tempted and tried so that you and I would fail at being what we ought to be, and that is a God-glorifying, shining child of the King, bringing Him glory in all things. Experience. My brother, many of, you, many of you know, my brother and I were the only siblings. We grew up together. There's three and a half years between us, and I would say we were very close. We shared a room till he moved out and got married. And all those years, there's only for a few instances where we didn't, but shared a room. Most of the time, we're very close. Knew his heart. I knew what he liked and shared many of those likenesses. I followed in his footsteps in many ways and liking certain sports teams and playing sports and things like that. Very, very close. I, I knew his desires. I knew I, we, we were just very close. Time came. Well, he obviously grew up three and a half years ahead of me, and, and uh, he, he met a godly lady, and uh, he moved out, got married. Now, we weren't quite as close. Still lived in the same town and everything else. Spent some time together. We'd get together, watch some basketball games, do some other things like that, play 
play sports, of course. And uh, so I still knew him pretty well, knew his heart pretty well, and, and understand his likes and dislikes and so forth, but not quite as much as I did growing up. Then the time came, some 20-something years ago, we moved away from that area of Indiana. Uh, now we were an hour and a half, two hours away at that point, eventually moved to Virginia, and now to Michigan for the last 10 years. And fact is, since that time, that uh, we have not been nearly as close. In fact, there'll be times when we gather together for a holiday or something like that, or and we get to see each other, and we're, we're sitting around, and I'll say something like, I like that, or, or he'll sit on it, and we'll look at, I, I didn't know you liked that. I, I didn't know you did that. And that's not a negative. The reality is we just haven't had as much experience. We haven't been together. And, and frankly, is this, uh, for me, from my standpoint, the, why that is such, why we haven't spent as much time in each other's prayers, I made a sacrifice in the service of our Lord. And so we, we followed wherever God led. And that took me away from family. That took me away from my brother. Now listen, am I close? Yes, I'm certainly close. You say, Pastor, do you love your brother? Yes, certainly. I love Scott. Yeah, I'm Stephen. He's Scott, in case you didn't catch, okay? So I love Scott. He's my old man. I love him dearly. But we aren't nearly as close as we once were. And, and again, that's sacrifice to the service of the Lord. Wouldn't change that. I'm delighted to serve my God and King, and I'll have heaven to enjoy my brother. Okay, now listen to me. But reality is, when I get out of his presence, when I've spent years and time out of his presence, I have not experienced his heart and desires. So we get together and I said, I, I hear things, oh, I didn't know he did that. I, I was not aware he liked that. I, I was not aware he didn't like that. I start to, wow, man, I, I don't know his heart like I once did. And my fear, my friend, is that many of us as Christians say, there was a time in our lives where we were in the very presence of God on a regular basis and we knew the heart and mind of God. But as time has come and life has taken us away and the busyness of life has stolen our time in the very presence of God, we know less of His heart. We know less of His likes and His desires. We know less of what our God would respond with to certain cultural issues and situations we are faced with. We have not gained the experience we ought to. Can I ask you this? How long have you known your Savior? How long have you had a relationship with your God? How have you grown in your experience and skill of knowing His heart, His mind? You see, for us, my brother and I, that, there, there's a good reason we're no longer as close as we are and trust that will be remedied in heaven. But for you and I, when it comes to our God, we do not have the excuse of lack of opportunity. We do not have the excuse of lack of availability. Nor do we have the excuse of the lack of ability. May I just put it frankly to you? The fact many of us are unskillful that we don't have the experience in God's Word is probably due more so to the reality that we are lazy. A lazy unwillingness to get in God's Word and gain experience becoming skillful with it. Becoming skillful with it. Saying, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible and study it in such a way that I glean much from it. Just a chapter earlier, in fact, look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's just a, a chapter earlier, a great verse here, we know it well. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
a discerner. I love that. Why are we talking about God's word being the foundation of our discernment? Because it is the great discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I love it even in context of what it is speaking about. And the reality that you and I, hey, the, the fact is, it, it is the number one discerner of all truth, of all doctrine, and so forth. But there's a lazy unwillingness. You'll see in a moment, I like to refer to it as the wasteland of willingness. There's not one of us, let's be honest, there's not one of us that if we had the desire and the willingness to be in God's Word every day, we could do it can find the time we have the ability to read praise god hooked on phonics work for us amen hey we have the ability the availability god's word is here we live in a in a nation praise god we live in a nation where you can buy a bible at walmart praise the lord you can it's available we have the ability to read and my friend can i tell you the reality is you and i each have 24 hours in a day we can do it. But if we're honest today, if we lack discernment in any area, it is likely because we have not matured and gained experience and skill in exposing ourselves to the Word of God on a consistent basis. Number two, notice what else he says in verse number 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, maturity, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern, discern both good and evil. I love this statement. So number one, lack of experience, that's of knowing God's heart and applying that knowledge. Number two, lack of exposure, producing exercise senses. I love that, how he words that here. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. It's a great point. We're exercised, our senses are exercised to the truth. In other words, boy, we are ready to that. Have you ever in, gone into your refrigerator and you pulled out some lunch meat and you open that bag that it comes into and you take a big whiff and you're like, oh, that's terrible. That's gone bad. It's rancid. It, it's gone nasty. You know, in that moment, what you have just done, you have demonstrated that your senses have been exercised. One of the things that I hate the smell of is, is raw chicken that has gone bad. And all those nasty juices that smell and everything. Oh, anyway, we won't get into it too much. But you ever pull that out of your fridge and like, oh, woo, it has such a unique stench to it, a, a unique smell. And, and boy, you smelled it immediately and because you've been around it. You've experienced it. You're like, oh, yeah, that's gone bad. But have you ever smelled something? And you're like, oh, man, I, I, I've never, I, mean, I don't know if this is bad. And then you ask your wife or your husband, does that smell bad to you? I know I've done that before. And like, I can't tell. Huh? Eric goes, oh, I guess that's bad, huh? <laughs> My, ex my senses weren't as exercised as, as well as hers. You know, the reality is this. You could probably take raw chicken that's gone bad. You could probably take some lunch meat that's gone bad and feed it to a baby who doesn't have their senses exercised. And it would be bad for them. It would be terrible. It would upset stomach at the very least. Maybe a sickness that would follow accordingly. And Paul says, listen, spiritually, some of us, by reason of use, have not had our senses exercised. So that when this thought and this issue and this situation comes up in our life and in the culture, we don't know how to respond. We just eat it. We just take it in. You see... 
He says, by reason of use, those spiritual senses exercise to be able to discern between right doctrine and wrong doctrine, good and evil, moral, immoral, what pleases God, what does not please God. I have, by reason of use, I have my exercises, or excuse me, I have my senses exercised. Hey, Christian, do you have your senses exercised, your spiritual senses? Do you have by reason of use because you're, you're constantly con- uh, going to God and, and seeing what he says about things and you've learned, you've have, you have been exposed to it and you've experienced using it and become skillful in it and because of that, your senses are exercised. That boy, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Wait a second, that statement, that, something's not right about that because God says this, your senses are exercised. See, later in the New Testament, even John would speak of this need for every believer. In 2 John chapter uh, number 1 and verses 9 and following, he says this. Notice it. Whosoever transgresses, transgresses excuse me, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Now, we're talking about doctrine. What you ought to believe. Hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine. So immediately, what are we told this demands? It demands discernment. If they bring this teaching, if they bring this thought, this idea, this belief, if they bring this new definition of marriage, if they bring this new concept of gender, if they bring this new thought about this and that. You look at it, you have discernment. Now, wait a minute. That, that doesn't match up to the heart and mind of my God. That doesn't match, thus saith the Lord. Now, if that's the case, what does John say to do? He says, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that bideth or biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. I just tell you, I think there's a great lack of exposure and therefore use among God's people when we come to God's Word. We do not properly study it. We do not interpret and apply it. As I mentioned in a message or two ago, I I fear on a daily basis we might read God's Word, but we read to get something out of it instead of saying, what does it say about today? What does it say? What what would God say about this and that? I love the verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto who? The world? No, unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing, and we could throw in there discerning the word of truth. Study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We've talked about this verse so much. We know this verse inside and out. All of us have had some level of schooling. We understand what it means to take a test and show yourself approved unto the teacher. I fear that there is times in heaven when God looks down at churches, when God looks down at his individual believers, and he's wondering, okay, here comes a test. This has happened in their world. This has happened in their country. This has happened in the culture around them. This has happened in their life. Okay, here's the test. Have they been studying? Are they ready to show themselves approved? Are they, and I love the terminology, are they a workman? Have they been working at it? Studying it? 
experienced in it, skillful in it, exposed to it to such a degree their senses are exercised. See, sadly, even within Christ's church, there seems to be a general attitude of indifference to God's Word. I could quote a myriad of studies of recent polls that have taken place. And my friend, in America and certainly other nations, but since we live here, we deal with here. The fact is this, in America, God's word is on the downturn as far as importance. People reading and people studying and people uh, thinking what it says and considering what it says about certain things. There is an indifference to it. And my friend, when we get away from God's word, we are no longer experienced in it. We are no longer exposed to it so that our senses are exercised. You know, the fact is this, there's a fallout that can be easily seen. We have churches and individual believers that embrace wrong doctrine that even John wrote against. We see people act and react being controlled rather by emotions and one's own feelings and uh, human opinions. We see a great absence of discretionary living by believers. No longer are we in pursuit of holiness. No longer are we trying to emulate a Savior and a God that is pure and holy and just and that speaks the truth. There's a great fallout. Here again, may I just say it, we have seen the the cause of such a lack of exposure, that unwillingness on the part of most believers. As I said a moment ago, the fact is this, I consider it, I call it the wasteland of willingness. It's not a lack of ability, it's not a lack of availability, it's not a lack of comfortability or whatever you want to describe it. The fact is this, uh, it comes down to an unwillingness. I like the terminology of a wasteland, why? Because a wasteland is described as an unused area of land that has become barren or overgrown. It is empty. Empty. And my friend, if you'll give me a a Christian who is unwilling to be experienced and exposed to the Word of God on a consistent basis to study, to show themselves approved, I will show you a Christian who is barren and empty of discernment. May I put it this way? You see, when willingness to be exposed to and experienced in God's Word is not found in one's life, you can be sure that that life will be barren and empty of discernment that is needed to navigate this world and culture that is full of landmines of false doctrine and ungodly opinions on current issues. Are you willing today? See, tomorrow when Monday hits and all of the pressures and, and all of the, the, the busy schedules and things, will, will you take time and say, no, 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 wait a minute, I need discernment today, and so I'm going to get in God's Word, get exposed to it, gain some experience and skill, and then apply it throughout the day. So crucial. I can't emphasize enough this morning and throughout this series as we finish this beginning part, laying the foundation of why we need discernment and what it is and how important it is going forward. I can't under, uh, underemphasize at all that biblical discernment using the Word of God is a crucial means of obeying and pleasing God. You see, the fact is this. Okay, we think, okay, I'm just going to read God's Word to... Uh, just to please God, can, can I just encourage you? Can I just challenge you as a believer, a modern-day believer? We need to be done. <laughs> we need to be done with just reading our Bible to say we read it. I read my chapter today. I read my few verses. I read these chapters, and, and I'm on to... And do not mistake the statement. 
It's not to say don't read your Bible. No, read it, but read it with the purpose of gaining discernment, experience and exposure, learning the heart and mind of God so that in turn you know how to respond and reply and you're a mature Christian of full age, discerning between good and evil. That pleases God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth, discerning because of it. You remember in Romans chapter 10, how Paul described the Jews? It's a great statement. He said they were people that were full of zeal and sincerity. They had a desire to know God, to serve God and follow him. But they had a major problem. He said, man, I, I'll testify about their zeal. They're passionate. They're excited. Boy, they want to they they know God, serve God, and live for him. Man, they are sincere with it. But there was a major problem. He said this, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That's verse 2. Wait a second, something's missing. Their zeal and following of God was not based upon the knowledge of the truth. They literally lacked discernment. He starts the next verse, and here's the problem. He says this, it's not according to knowledge. They've missed out on the experience and the skillfulness of God's word. And because they've done so, the very next verse, you know how he describes them? He says they are ignorant. I mean, they have such zeal. They say they love God. They say they are Christian but they lack knowledge. They are ignorant. This is what he says. For they being ignorant, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Notice he says they're ignorant. And in that ignorance, they believed and embraced a lie, a false belief that they could establish their own righteousness via the law. We could say that starting at the Garden of Eden and going onward, man's history has been plagued with a failure to rightly discern and consequently failing at obedience in pleasing God. You have a whole nation. You have Jews that Paul looks at and says, man, they have such zeal. They would call themselves the people of God, and yet they lack knowledge. It's not according to knowledge, and therefore they're ignorant. And you can be assured they were neither obeying or pleasing God the truth. Is what Paul speaks of here. They were failing in obedience to him. Have you ever had, and you've been in a place of supervisory position, or maybe you've been a teacher, as I spent some years doing so, and, and you had somebody who, who, who did something completely wrong. They didn't do it in a way they ought to. Maybe it's even a, one of your children. And the excuse given was this. Well, I didn't know what to do. You ever hear that? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I was supposed to do it that way. You know, there's been times as a teacher at a Christian school that, that I had a student come up to me and they'll show me their paper and they've done the entire sheet wrong or the entire section wrong in a, in a math paper or a language grammar paper or, or, or something. I, I look at it and say, whoa, whoa, this is all wrong. You've got to redo it. And boy, they look at you like you killed their puppy. All that work? Are you kidding me? I got to redo this? I'm like, Yeah. You didn't do it right. And then I have to point out to them that there's two things that they miss. Number one, the directions were right there on the page right in front of you. Right there at the top. Well, I didn't see that. Well, or better, I didn't read that. Well, I think we found the problem. 
Or number two, you know, you, you could have simply asked me for the instructions. I was sitting up here at my seat, my desk, and I was available and ready to give you direction and guidance. Yeah, but, now listen to me. Can I just tell you, the same holds true when it comes to you and I discerning good and evil. See, I can put it this way. The reality is this. You say, I didn't know that that's what God said. I didn't know. Listen, ignorance is not an excuse. If it were, every Jew would be saved that practices faithfully, that tried to keep the law and gain righteousness according to Romans 10. Paul said, no, 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 but they're ignorant. They had zeal, not according to knowledge. They missed out on the truth that no man is justified by works. We are only justified by faith in Jesus Christ. But if ignorance was an excuse, the Pharisees and all those Jews would be okay. But ignorance is no excuse. And when you and I get to heaven, we say, oh, God, I, I didn't know what to believe on that culture issue. I, I didn't know about that doctrine and so forth. Can I just tell you, I have a feeling that God's going to say a couple things. Number one, he's going to say this. You had the Bible. The instructions for what to believe and do. It is both available and ready to give direction. But are you full of age or are you a babe in Christ? Are you exercised in it? Are you exposed to it? Having your senses developed? And number two, you know what? I love this. God not only has given us his word, but praise be unto God. He is also just a prayer way. Available and ready to give direction and guidance. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Ask, and ye shall receive. Let's ask. I fear that there'll be some Christians who stand before God, they find out they believe the wrong thing. They offered an opinion and they fell on an issue in the wrong side. When they stand before God, they'll see that it was not of God and they'll plead ignorance before God. I didn't know. And God will just probably say, well, didn't I give you the Bible? Did I not in the New Testament teach you how to pray? You could have asked. You could have exposed yourself and experienced my very mind and heart, my very presence in your midst through the Word of God. See, biblical discernment using the Word of God is a crucial means of obedience and pleasing God. And bear with me, stick with me, the last thing, and we'll be done. Number two, also, I cannot emphasize too much that biblical discernment using the Word of God is a crucial means of receiving the blessings of God. The blessings of God. Turn with me, if you will, Psalm chapter 81 and verse 8. So it's the crucial means of receiving the blessing of God. Let's see this play out in this psalm, if you will, with me. Psalm chapter 81, a couple weeks ago, actually now a couple months ago, we used this just for a short challenge, a part of this, I should say. But Psalm chapter 81, look with me at verse number 8, if you will. Psalm 81 and verse 8, he says this, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. 
O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. Now, I love this word, hearken, okay? We see it several times in the Old Testament especially, and sometimes in the New Testament. But um, in this passage, it's used at least three times, I believe. And I love the word hearken unto me because it reminds us it's more than just listening. Because in the same verse, he says, hear me, right? And then he says, hearken. And I, I like it the way it's spelled, hearken, because it reminds me it's not just listening to, it's obeying from the heart. Hearken means listening and obeying from the heart. And that's why he's challenging Israel. You left off with your heart obeying and desiring to obey and have that discernment that's gleaned from knowledge. Here's the promise. We see it. There's great blessings here if Israel will hearken. Listen to God's instructions. Use discernment to live them out. Inform their thinking by the mind and heart of God. They'll reap the blessings. Look at verse number 9, if you will. Notice what he says. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. A moment ago, Pastor Aaron was speaking about the, uh, that we are in the hollow of God. God's hand, that he, that he keeps us in Washington. Now listen to me. Okay. Don't miss this. Great application, great truth. What would you say was the greatest cultural impact and influence on Israel when they reached the promised land? Can I just tell you, I'll answer for sake of time, to gain and worship the false gods of the nations around them. All throughout their journey from Egypt and the wandering in the wilderness, now getting to the promised land, you realize what the greatest cultural influence was for them to worship false gods. Here God says strange gods. Gods that aren't true. False gods. Worship them. Uh, put them on the level of me. However you're that was the cultural pressure of the day. And God says, I am the God. I am your God that brought you out of Egypt. See, for them, it was not the cling to any strange God. The pressure around them was, ah, you ought to have all these gods. You ought to worship all these gods. Now listen to me. We may make careful application in a couple different ways. The cultural pressure around us today would be, yes, make yourself God. Make yourself God. Make science God. Make whatever the case. Make something else God. But also beyond that, I, I believe for us today, the cultural pressure would be this. The same as them. You see, in their day, it was to exchange the true God for a false God. Today, the pressure around us, now don't miss it, is to exchange the truth for error. Same cultural pressure. Exchange truth for error. Now, for you and I, it could be about marriage. It could be about creation. It can be about many things that we see applicable to today and what we're being bombarded with. Uh, God is challenging you and I today to not to cling to any strange belief, any wrong doctrine, any wrong thought, to think and act in accordance with God's instructions and teaching. I love verse 10. Isn't that great? I love that promise. Boy, you keep me as your God. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. What a promise. But for Israel, it would not be so. They would fail to employ discernment, gain on knowledge and experience. They opened the door, and that opened the door for them to falter in this way. Look at verse 11. We'll read down. We'll be done. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. That tells you where their heart is. We, we talk about often around here, we need to give our heart to God. We need to give them. They did not do that. They, they gave themselves their own heart, if we could put it that way. He gave them up to their own heart's lust. Sounds like Romans 1, doesn't it? And they walked in their own counsels. 
Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. Why? I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. Verse 15, the haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, and their time, Israel's time, should have endured forever. Now listen to me. I'm a firm believer that if Israel had handed some things differently, Israel would still be the power of Israel. I really believe that. I believe this verse speaks to it. Their time would have endured forever, but they failed. And God brought judgment and captivity and being conquered by foreign wicked nations. We're studying on Wednesday night, Habakkuk, and that describes it. They failed. Now look at verse 16. He should have felled them also with the finest of the wheat. Now listen, uh, in the wilderness they had the manna. That was a wonderful thing, though it meant what is it? You know what God's saying? Man, if you, would just, if you would just hearken unto me, if you would just have discernment day in and day out, if you would get it in my truth that I have given you through Moses and the commandments and the law, boy, you will have the finest wheat. And then not just water from the rock. Notice what he says in the rest of the verse. Okay, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Now, you say, okay, what's the honey? Well, honey was the sweetener. It's like the Dr. Pepper, the old, okay, just kidding. It was like the, the sweetener, right? It was the, it was the sweetest thing, and boy, it flavored things and sweetened things. He said, no, I'm not just talking about giving you water out of the rock. I want to give you honey. I would have given you honey out of the rock. Now, that would have been something to see, Amen. I would have blessed you beyond care. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. If you have discernment, if you have discernment, if you are experienced and skillful in the truth that I have given you and heeded that and not give in to cultural influences and pressure, don't give in. Stay true to your God into the truth. See, the fact is this. Israel's history is littered with failure after failure of using discernment. From seemingly small things to big things like Psalm speaks of here. It's why it's so crucial we must be 100% discerning of everything, from small things to big things. Now, uh, Brother John Yeomans and I were talking on Wednesday, and, and uh, we were talking about this, and I, I remember an illustration that I have given before, okay? And I've said this so many times, you're, you're probably dull of hearing, amen, uh, and listen to it. fact is this, some time ago, a couple decades, I've expressed my frustration over a bumper sticker that was very prevalent a couple decades ago, now I'm dating myself, and, and uh, maybe three, four days, who knows how long ago, maybe when bumpers were invented. But anyway, um, a bumper sticker. And you remember what I said, what, what I should. It said simply this, right? We know that. Oh, sorry, I need to get ahead. There we go. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And I've stressed you, man, I'm frustrated. I don't like that statement. I don't like that. Now, some might question, why does that bother you, Pastor Henry? Why do you got to make such a big deal about a dumb bumper sticker? Doesn't it talk about believing? Doesn't it talk about God speaking and it being settled? And, and yes, that is good. I, I'm not going to take away from someone's good intentions. I, I understand maybe somebody didn't have the discernment uh, to understand. But listen, biblical discernment screams at me that something's just not right. Something's not wrong with that. Or something is wrong with that statement. You see, the fact is this. It's not the combination of God saying something and me believing it that settles it or makes it so. It's simply the reality that God said it that settles it. God said it, that settles it. Now, I didn't invent it. Somebody else came up with it. Another bumper sticker. I'm like, amen. 
Another person came up with this, and I think that's fine too. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. I'm good with that. Hallelujah. You see, the fact is this. My belief has absolutely no ramification about the validity or the concreteness of what God says. My belief does not validate what God says. It's validated because thus saith the Lord, whether I believe it or not. I love the verse in Psalms. (laughs) Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. See, God's word was settled a long time before Stephen Henry was born and believed it. It was settled. And you say, Pastor Henry, why, why aren't you just making a big deal out of a little thing? No, because here's the problem. Lacking discernment in small things promotes lacking discernment in big things. We fail to employ it, gain the exposure and the experience we need to employ discernment in small things, and it'll get a thing. Because here's the problem. Let's apply the seeming logic of that erroneous bumper sticker. I call it bumper sticker theology. Um, let's apply the logic of that to gender. See, God said in his word, he made them male and female, and interestingly, that's period. It ends. But wait a minute, the culture pressure, and everybody around me said, oh man, we got extra genders, people can't, can't really know their genders till they really decide. There's a gender that they are, and then there's a gender, gender they identify as. I, I'm waiting for gender that I wish I was, and gender that I will be 10 years from now. We can have 28 different genders, and then all these different guys. Wait a second, so we can be bombarded by this. You know, well, man, I just don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do this, and, and I just don't know what to believe. I don't know what to think. Now listen to me. If that is true, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Here's the problem. God said that. I'm not sure if I believe it because I get all these things from the world and the culture. I guess it's not settled. And my friend, if you want to know the good definition of not settled, you go out on that pond right back there and you try to walk across the water. The top of that water is unsettled. Now you wait here about six more months. It'll be nice and frozen. <laughs> and you, it'll be settled. Then you can walk across it. Now, can I tell you, my friend, the moment God spoke, it was settled. And our job as believers is to study it, experience it, grow skillful in it, and in love to speak the truth. Thus saith the Lord. And we employ discernment in everything that comes up, every area of our life, our actions and our words and our thoughts and our beliefs. We employ discernment. You say, Pastor Henry, this has been a long introduction to a series. It has been, but oh, so very needed. Because we need to understand what discernment is, where it is gained from, and how to employ it. Now, in the weeks ahead, we're going to start applying it to different cultural issues and things that we face. We're going to get in God's Word. We're going to follow what we have just outlined about what discernment is and understand it. But here's the key. Number one, you and I need to do three things. Number one, we need to gain discernment. We need to grow up spiritually. Stop being babes and now to come to full age. How do we do that? We've already talked about that experience and that exposure. So number two, we'd say this, gain experience with God's word. As you open God's word tomorrow, maybe once, maybe a couple times, would you desire to learn the heart and mind of God? The truth that, is it, that the word of God is. So that in turn, then you and I can gain exposure that produces exercise senses. In other words, we can then employ daily discernment by applying what you learn. I love it when a Christian says, you know what, I heard this headline, and I know that's not true. (laughs) Because God's word says this. 
And I heard somebody talking about this, and I know that's not the truth because I've been studying God's word, and this is what God says. May I just tell you, I think that brings a smile to God in heaven. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Can I encourage you, let's grow this week. Let's gain experience with God's word, and then let's gain exposure that produces exercise senses, meaning that you and I can be discerning believers today. Father, we thank you so very much for your word. We thank you for the challenge, the encouragement that it has been, and this study thus far. And Father, we want to be your children that are rooted and grounded in your word, to have discernment, daily discernment, biblical discernment. Uh, Lord, as we look across the landscape of the culture and the world and the nation, may we have the wisdom that only your truth can give. May we respond and speak speak and act in such a way that shows that we are experienced and skillful in your word. Father, you know where every believer is here today in their growth, in their maturation. I pray, Lord, that if there's some here today that honestly they haven't been in your word regularly, they, they haven't been in your presence to learn your heart and mind, I, I pray today they'd make a commitment, they'd make a decision that and there would not be a day goes by that they don't enter into your presence to gain that experience. Then, Father, others of us, we, we need to make a decision that when we get in your word, we want to glean some truth and discernment. Uh, that we want to become skillful. And, Father, we want to exercise our senses to evaluate and interpret the world and the, the beliefs and the doctrines around us through your word. Father, we need to make a commitment today to be a Berean believer. May that be the case. And then, Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to speak the truth in love. May we be shining lights, not only for the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves, but may we also be the shining light for the truth of thus saith the Lord. May we speak that truth and stand for it. Bless your church. Bless your people. Help us to be all that you would have us to be. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. The piano begins to play. Let's you and I spend some time with our Heavenly Father. Let's respond with making a decision or simply praying for help and discernment. Maybe a certain area, a certain situation. Would you do that even today? Let's pray together.